much of my faith and my upbringing was around fear and feeling like I wasn't good enough. And so how that translated to me being in ministry in college and kind of growing to prepare myself for ministry was always this feeling of I needed to be better, I need to be better, better ever and anything I did. And constantly looking at, you know, everything I said, everything I did, if it was really, you know, the right way to do things. And that's that has been like an overarching theme in my life. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. I'm so thankful that you're listening and following along. I hope that you've taken the time to listen to the stories ahead of this one because so much of the power of this podcast is all the stories together and these stories of faith, these stories of trials, these stories of growth, and really what God has been doing through all of them. And as we continue to move this series forward and these stories forward, I'm really excited to have one of my friends with me today, Dan. Now, if you go to Collective, you know Dan. Dan plays in the band. He sings oftentimes on Sunday mornings. Uh, Dan and I have a lot of mutual friends. Weirdly enough, our lives never really cross paths until Collective, but I'm so thankful that they did, and I'm so thankful that he's sitting with me today and sharing his story because a lot of what Dan's going to talk about are things that a lot of people wrestle with, especially men. So I'm really hyped for this one. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. As usual, we're going to start with a very invasive and uncomfortable question. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your family like? And then talk to us a little bit about uh, what, what your family structure was like and what faith was like for you as a kid. Sure. So I uh, grew up in Maryland, uh, lived here all my life except for a few years in college. Um, in Glen Burnie, Maryland is where I'm from. Um, I uh, am part of a family of four for a while. We're five now. Um, I'll get to that, but uh, <laughs> we... Um, Do you there? Yeah. So I, I grew up as the baby for many years uh, until I was uh, 19. Uh, my parents adopted uh, my sister. Um, uh, she was 16 at the time. It's kind of a really uh, long backstory, but she was basically part of my youth group and her mom passed wow. and she was taking care of her grandmom on her own. And my parents who didn't even really know her felt like God was kind of pulling them in this direction. Wow. And um, so they took legal guardianship of her, um, but she's my sister and we love her and our family has kind of grown from that. And new dynamics, but it's been awesome. So, uh, it was, it was different at the time, yeah. uh, because all my life I just had an older brother and then now I have a younger sister. So it kind of changed the dynamic, but it was great. Good. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So my brother and I were 13 months apart. He's older, um, very close, uh, grew up together and everything that we did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we, um, grew up in a Christian home, always going to church, um, from a young age as a baby, I, I'm assuming from birth, yeah. I was in church. Um, 
And I remember being a kid, uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so they had the long pews. And I remember just uh, kind of kneeling on the floor, facing the pew, playing with my Hot Wheels or my Batman (laughs) action figures, and uh, eventually started listening to what was going on and what was being uh, taught. But uh, for many years, I went to that church up until I was uh, 16. Wow. Uh, And then I started to go to other churches. The main reason for that was because... uh, the church didn't have like a youth group or anything. So I was kind of like had this yearning of wanting more and something kind of geared toward my age, what I was going through. Um, So I started seeking that out in other churches and then became uh, part of other churches as well. Okay. So were you guys involved in the church you grew up in? Like, did your parents serve? Uh, I mean, because 16 years is a long time. So I'm assuming that they were like all the way in, like leaning completely in. Yeah, so my mom and my dad were both in the choir. Okay. Um, uh, so not there wasn't like a worship team. It was kind of a choir yeah. and, and a, a couple of uh, instruments. Um, but they were very involved in the choir, and I think my mom also for a while served with uh, like taking the offering and cool. stuff. And we didn't really do much because there wasn't really a space for us to do much. Sure. Although they every once in a while they would have like um, once or twice a year they'd have kind of like a youth thing like function uh where we would get involved i remember as a kid like in sunday school type stuff around thanksgiving they brought us out to uh like say what we were thankful for and i was all the way at the end of the line and everybody's saying all the good stuff you know i'm thankful for my family and toys and you know whatever and it got to me and i i panicked i didn't know what to say but my uncle was sitting in the front row and I just said, I'm thankful for my Uncle Jim. That's <laughs> and, and everybody laughed, and I was just kind of panicked, like yeah. wanted to run away. But <laughs> it was just kind of a funny moment that that was kind of the dynamic. Through. Yeah. So it wasn't really a lot of space for my brother and I. And we were very musically inclined, so we wanted to do something. We were already playing in bands, you know, outside of uh, church um, in our, you know, emo bands that yeah. we had back yeah. in the day. <laughs> the best kind. Yeah. So we wanted to get involved, but there really wasn't space for that. And we kind of found that he, I think he left the year before me or maybe the same year and kind of found a space for himself as well. And your parents were cool with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they realized there's some tension there. Like they'd rather you be in the church that you wanted to be in than not be in church at all. Um, and so when you and your brother kind of ventured off, were they cool with that? Or was there some tension because you grew up in that church? There was definitely some tension. And I think part of the tension was the way that our, our, our extended family, uh, basically my whole dad's side of my family, he has three brothers, all went to this church. Oh, okay, yeah. So oh, okay, yeah. all of my cousins, we all went to this church. Sure. Um, and my, my brother and I and my older cousin, Sean, uh, we were like the old, well, sorry, my older cousin, Jamie as well. We were kind of around the oldest of the cousins. Yeah. Um, some of them stayed going to that church. Some of us kind of went to other churches. Um, so there's definitely a tension of like, why are you leaving? Like, yeah. is there an issue? Yeah. Is there a problem? Yeah. And then the other side of that was the tension of, what are you being taught at these other sure. churches? Because sure. so yeah. this was a this is a like fundamental Pentecostal church that I came from, and so very different theology from most churches. And so there was this worry, I think, from my parents and other people in the church, like, are they going to a good church? Are they sure. you know learning the right things? Are they being led astray? Things like that. So there was definitely some tension, but I think at the same time. My parents were supportive 
and uh, after a while seeing where we were going, seeing how we were being involved and how we were growing, I think they were encouraged by that. We see this a lot at Collective where there are people who come here because their teenage or young adult children want to be here, but they're not completely sure that this is like the right place for them or the best fit for them. Or to be honest, it's not really a style of church that they enjoy. But I try to encourage those parents that while it's hard for them to create space for their children, it's the best thing that they can do. And so, you know, I try to tell the parents that to feel peace knowing that this is the best decision for them um, and for their children so that they can go to church together. But, um, you know, sometimes there's a tension there. And sometimes it leads to those kids and, and young adults disconnecting from going to church with their parents. Um, and it's a good tension. Right? It seems like your parents created space for you to say, okay, this is real and, and this isn't the right place for us, so we're going to go to another church. And you and Frank eventually head out your own way and you guys get connected to another church community. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy for your parents. Yeah. So um, my brother uh, started going to um, a church that his girlfriend at the time was going to and started helping out there. I gravitated toward another church because uh, uh, me and a couple of friends used to run a coffee house, which if, you, if people don't know what that means, it just means local bands come and they play shows and you can kind of get together and usually we like serve food and it's always kind of centered around like talking about Jesus. Um, so we found a church that we didn't know at all, like didn't know them. Um, but they had a really good space, and uh, we we talked to them about having a coffee house there because we had other locations before that didn't really work out. But eventually, we started going to this church because they offered the space. And one of the things that the pastor said was, "I'd like for you to come at least once a week, sure. so that you're kind of a part of this." Um, and the more I was going there, I was learning, I was growing. There was a youth group, things like that, and so I felt like, yeah, this is a good you know place. And so I immediately at 16 started, you know, playing bass in the worship team, um, eventually started singing as well. Um, and so I was getting involved that way too. And we did the coffee house for a while. And then when I was 19, um, I actually became the youth pastor of that church, Dang. which is insane. Yeah. 19 year old leading yeah. 16, 17, 18. Who, like who let me do this? Yeah. yeah. That's a ministry 101. <laughs> that's yeah. What, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird because ministry was always kind of something that uh, I felt like I was called to. Um, I actually remember I preached a sermon after Thanksgiving meal at 12 uh, wow. to my family. It was probably terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, they let me do it and yeah. they encouraged me. Um, and my brother at a young age, because he was learning guitar, he would like, we would do like little worship sets as a family. This might sound really weird yeah. to some yeah. people. Like, like maybe it sounds a little cultish. I get that. Um, but we were just very... Uh, faith was just a big part of not just my you know immediate family but our extended family and going on vacations together we always would like pray together and have like little worship services yeah. together and and honor god and in, in, in different ways so you know i i kind of always felt like this calling that i wanted to be in ministry and i was given like these little chances here and there to preach or yeah. to kind of you know, do Bible studies and things like that. And so uh, my pastor at the time kind of saw that in me and there was a need. Uh, and so I kind of stepped in and filled in. Wow. Uh, it did not go well. Sure. It was sure. it was fine at first, but ultimately I really wasn't like equipped for that. And I was young. Yeah. So it, it just didn't go great. 
definitely some hurts there. There was, uh, it came to a, a moment where I was like, yeah, this is, this has to end. And I went from there right into college. Yeah. Uh, so I went to college for ministry. I went to Liberty university. Okay. The majority of my education in the youth ministry world. So your experience at church had an impact, but at least it didn't discourage you and push you away. Because I think in a lot of people's cases, when you become a leader in a church, when you start doing staff member stuff in a church, most churches don't handle these things well. And a lot of people who experience that then go, nope, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done on ministry. And honestly, I'm not sure if I want to do the church stuff anymore because you kind of got to see behind the curtains and see how messy it is. But you still end up going down and, and going to school for ministry. So what was one of the reasons why you did what you did? Right. Instead of walking away from ministry, instead of walking away from faith, even though it was hard, even though you were experiencing some pain there, what made you decide to lean in more? Um, because a lot of people have been through that and leaned out. Yeah, I think for me, I had this kind of overwhelming feeling of maybe I just wasn't ready yet. Sure. You know, um, definitely a feeling of inadequacy, but more of like I, I need to do things to get myself ready for ministry. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I was young. I, I, I didn't have any education uh, or any experience really for ministry. And like you said, a lot of the students I was trying to lead were only a couple of years yeah, younger than me. They were me. your friends yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. So it was strange. I, I think there was an aspect of it where they felt like I was a really cool youth pastor because they could relate to me because sure. we were, you know, kind of grew up together and we're friends. But um, there was this whole side of me not really being able to lead well that I felt like I needed to work on. So it, it kind of encouraged me to go to college and to get an education in that um, so that I, I could then feel like, okay, well, I have a degree in this yeah. and I have all this education and I can now build on that experience I had before and be good to go. So Liberty was cool. Um, I served on student leadership there as well. Uh, at Liberty, they have uh, like RAs um, and then they have underneath that, they have what's called a spiritual life director so for every dorm, there's like two of those. And then under them, there are prayer leaders. And none of this is like paid or anything. Um, but you uh, are essentially in these kind of leadership roles uh, because every week at Liberty, they have prayer groups. I think it's on like Thursday nights or something like that, um, where you're kind of autumn. Like if you're just a regular student on the hall, you're kind of automatically put into these groups. Sure. Yeah, and you yeah. have this guy and he'll kind of do like a little devotional yeah. type thing. And pray with you but it's it basically meant to like create a community and because i had ministry experience i kind of i was a prayer leader for like a semester and then i jumped into the spiritual life director wow. role because yeah. now i was kind of working directly with the prayer leaders to kind of build them up and encourage them had accountability meetings things like that the culture for like student leadership at liberty for me as a man was more about kind of like really beating myself to death to be like this zealous, perfect man of God. Sure. And so that kind of became the culture of what I learned, what I taught and how I had accountability meetings with, um, really my friends <laughs> there. Um, it was an interesting time. Um, I definitely grew a lot in some areas, but I feel like there was definitely some areas where I, uh, put up some walls around my heart spiritually because I felt like I needed to be this like literally like a warrior for Christ. Sure. Um, yeah. And looking back now, I kind of like, why did I do that? <laughs> it's just very strange. 
Um, but a lot of it too goes back to uh, how I was raised as uh, in, within the church and as a young Christian. Um, so I, I got saved when I was seven. And the reason I got saved was 100% out of fear. We went to a church that did a, a play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And some people might know what that is. Um, but essentially, it's like uh, four or five different scenarios of people like driving in a car and they get into an accident and they all die and they wake up before God. And it's like one person is a Christian, right? Their name is in the book and God's like, welcome in. And the other person, God's like, oh, sorry, your name's not in the Gosh, book. And man. these demons drag them away. Wow. So at seven, yeah. I'm watching this freaking out. I'm like, I don't want to be the person that's dragged away. So they have like an altar call at the end and I run up there and I, I say what I need to say and now I'm safe, right? But the culture was very much heavily on the side of you had to daily make sure you were holy. And so I was taught at a young age, even at seven, at night before I went to bed, I had to pray and repent it just in case I had sinned that day because if I died in my sleep, I might end up in hell. So much of my faith and my upbringing was around fear and feeling like I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And so how that translated to me being in ministry in college and kind of growing to prepare myself for ministry was always this feeling of I needed to be better. I need to be better, better ever, and anything I did. And constantly looking at, you know, everything I said, everything I did, if it was really, you know, the right way to do things. And that's that has been like an overarching theme in my life yeah. and how I handle situations even now outside of, you know, my, my walk with Christ and also like spiritually yeah. and things like that within the church. And Liberty is, is not like the church you grew up in doctrinally, right? And it's a very big campus of people who probably didn't think the way you thought or saw things the way you saw things. A few people that I've talked to on this podcast have gone to Liberty and they talked about this weird tension that kind of exists. And um, I went to a small school, a thousand kids, Christian college. Um, but you show up and you feel like you're supposed to be like all-star Jesus followers. And you're 20-somethings and you're like, no, actually, uh, secretly, I'm the worst. But you feel like it's almost as if they recruited you there because you're the cream of the crop of Christians. It's the vibe, even though that's not the way it works out. And so there's a lot of facade. They're like, I, I know, like, I know there were guys and girls I went to college with that loved Jesus so incredibly well at 18, 19, 20 years old. And right now they have a good faith. They have a strong faith. Um, they trusted scripture. They had a good prayer life. Um, and that's incredible for 19-year-olds to have that. Um, and, and I'm sure most of them are leaders in churches somewhere. But if you go to those types of school and you're not that type of person, there's a lot of private struggle. And if you're not that person who feels like they have a really strong faith or you don't have a strong faith at all, there's a lot of pretending to be that person. So how did your church upbringing impact your leading on campus and all that? Because that seems like there's maybe a little bit of a collision there, not feeling like you're good enough, but then also not being in a place where you're allowed to not be good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So, you know, part of my education in general is that I went to private Christian schools all my life and they were always like Baptist private yeah. Christian schools, okay. which again, very different than Pentecostal. I would be debating my teachers and my friends constantly, wow. um, essentially telling them that 
they they need to repent or they're going to hell, um, which is crazy. Uh, Yeah, I don't like that person that I was. Um, (laughs) But there was certainly a tension with different uh, like denominational ways that church is done and and even like praise and worship and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, where, you know, at, at my church, they had a drummer, but at my school, like drums were not a holy okay. thing actually yeah. i remember being a senior in high school and having a college visit a christian college visit and he had just the like the box drum yeah. right and they literally chased him out of the building wow because he brought that box drum wow which is insane yeah. like nobody was sinning because of a box sure. drum so yeah. but that was the culture so then you know liberty was really just a lot of fun yeah good because it was just these young adults uh the, the worship was great mm-hmm. Uh, there was always you know fun things to do, but we certainly were in a very weird bubble, uh, like yeah. the church bubble. Yeah. Um, and at Liberty, the the phrase that was uh, thrown around a lot is building champions for Christ. And so not not only was it like that we needed to go out and impact the world for Jesus, but we had to be champions. Yeah. So that kind of has a high bar, yeah, a lot of right? Um, and there was actually this attitude, you know, about Liberty being like, oh, well, we're the largest evangelical university and all yeah. this stuff. And yeah. like, so I, I, in a way, I feel like there was a kind of a culture of feeling like separate than other Christian universities, too. Um, so it, it was weird. But ultimately, you know, I, I was there because I wanted to be in ministry and I wanted to, you know, kind of have a fresh start because I had already gone through ministry and gone through like bad breakups and stuff. So it was like, well, I'm away from home, even though it was only Virginia, it wasn't far, but I'm away from home. I'm kind of meeting new people, kind of creating this new, you know, life and almost in a way like a new identity for myself. Um, And so there was all of those things too. But I mean, ultimately um, I I graduate, leave Liberty and uh, I, I come back home and I start going to the church that my brother's going to. Um, and there's kind of this immediate need for people in the worship team, immediate need for, uh, leaders within the youth group to work with the students. And so I just kind of jumped in and after a little while, I actually started leading the youth group at that church a little more prepared. I was a little older now. So I was like, okay, like I can do this. I think I was, uh, I think I was 25. Okay. So I felt like adequate and ready to go and it was going well. So it kind of revalidated ministry yeah, to me. The calling and the, yeah. the burden, yeah. Yeah, and then it was shortly after that I met Shelby, and we began dating. Uh, we got married. Now she was stepping in to kind of help with the ministry as well. Um, so she was uh, a leader uh, within youth group doing, like, the small groups with some of the, the girls uh, in, in youth group. And um, while that wasn't necessarily kind of maybe something she— really wanted to do or maybe even felt called to do she felt like she had the tools as well sure. to step into those that role and, and to help and so we were doing that for a while and it was going well until we started to feel this pull away from that ministry and really that church and we couldn't really explain it but it was kind of this overwhelming feeling that god had something different for us um, and so we left that church and started going to a very large church in Reisterstown. Um, and it wasn't long after that I was on staff at Again. that church. Yeah. And and this was a different experience because every other, th- the other two churches, I wasn't paid at all. 
like it was all volunteer and it's good because there's certain expectations for that versus expectations of I'm paying you and you have to meet all these things. So I initially um, uh, interviewed and applied for the uh, middle school director position. They actually, the church was so big that they had their own middle school director, their own high school director and a person over them as well. So um, it's a very large church. The, I, I ended up turning down the middle school director position because uh, it would have required me to leave my full-time job yeah. and the amount that they were paying for that wasn't really sustainable for us. Yeah. So uh, we ended up not going with that. But instead I started working with uh, children's ministry, specifically fourth and fifth grade. And uh, it was a ministry there that was kind of, uh, it was doing well, but it kind of didn't really have an identity. Yeah. And so um, I jumped in. There was a lot of volunteers that were kind of on the fence about wanting to stay with it um, and was able to jump in, kind of revamp things and bring some of those volunteers back and get some new volunteers. And so, again, it was growing. It was doing well. The issue that I faced with um, being on staff at that church was that the staff culture was very broken. There was a lot of just not only politics but just things said about other staff members um it just wasn't it just didn't feel good so ultimately the person who hired me to be in that position uh moved on and the person who took over for him i did not get along with at all it actually turns out now he is no longer a christian and he actually what he does is he has his own little uh, i guess you could call it ministry of coaching uh, ex-pastors out of leaving their faith. That's what he does now. Um, So I can kind of see why I didn't really (laughs) see eye to eye with him. Um, A lot of times when churches go through through things like that, rarely is it ever caused by like the new hire in that new space, right? It's the churn of something else that's happening ahead of time. Typically, you immediately look at the church and go, there's something wrong with this church. And and that's not really the case. There's other things going on. And for someone to take that role in the church you were working in, then move into that space of helping pastors step away from their faith, that that existed way ahead of that time. You know, most likely they got into this new role and it kind of emboldened them or clarified for them and something snapped into place where they decided, oh, now's my chance to make this decision. And that's going to be a disaster. Yeah, so there was just a... the culture just got worse in my opinion what i was trying to do was to not work as much within the staff i felt like if i could just handle what i needed to handle and and what i was doing was preparing months in advance so i would get you know everything set up with who is going to be you know teaching that day uh, what songs are we doing what games are we doing um and then what series are we doing I, I would be months ahead and so at the same time i'm working my full-time job right um and my boss at the time didn't know but there was nothing in my contract that said i couldn't have multiple right. jobs um as long as i got my work done it was no big yeah. deal and, and it, there was never a situation where like i couldn't handle one or the other i was doing everything that i needed to do above and beyond and so there was no issues yeah. um so uh, I tried to save them money 
by saying, hey, let me reduce my hours down. You don't have to pay me as much. I was, I almost wanted to be like, can I just be volunteer yeah, at this point? Yeah. Can I just get away from this, right? So, but I was like, look, I, I, I can take a step back, work, you know, one less day a week at the church. Um, I'm still getting everything done. Look, I'm months ahead. So there's nothing that's going to, the ball is not going to be dropped in any way. If anything, I'm saving you money. And so then the conversation became, is his full-time job getting in the way? Um, and so I had a conversation with that pastor that was um, leading me who that I didn't get along with. And he claimed he didn't know that I had a full-time job. And he, and he did. We, we talked about it often, actually. Um, he did know that I had a full-time job. Other people knew that I had a full-time job yeah. as well because I originally interviewed for the full-time position yeah. but turned it down. Yeah. So he then, in a very ironic way, told me that he believed it was an integrity issue, that I was working two jobs, that my boss didn't know about this job. So I kind of explained everything again, just like I did with you here. He said, well, let's you know pray about it and, and talk about it in a couple of weeks. That timing was very important because it was in August and we were revamping our space. And so I had this room and I was repainting it, I was redecorating it, I was changing the stage, I was getting new equipment, all these things. And I had about two weeks before the new year would, basically the new school year would start, and so I'd have new fourth and fifth graders. Um, so I was getting the room ready, and for about a week and a half, I would either be, a couple days a week, I'd be at the church working, doing both jobs, and then I would stay until about 11 p.m., getting this room ready. Shelby would come from her job and help me. And we had a hard time getting people to help us too. So we, it was very much on me and Shelby to, to do everything. I mean, literally build things and paint and, and set up equipment. And so, uh, I forgot, I had used to know the amount of hours that I, I clocked and, and basically build them for, uh, that time that I was there, um, for a week and a half. But during the final day of getting things set up, I was called into a meeting with him, and he told me that he felt like it's an integrity issue and we need to work on transitioning you out of this position. And I was really angry and really hurt, but I said nothing. And I, I said, okay, and I left. And they, what he wanted me to do was to stay on for another month. And I think this was a... This was a th Thursday or Friday, and the new students I was getting ready to meet was that Sunday. Wow. Um, so I had been praying for them. I had been planning for them. Uh, some of them I already kind of knew, you know, and I, I was excited. And then for that all to basically just be like, hey, in a month, it's not going to be yeah. you in this position anymore. All for something that really wasn't an integrity issue. And I felt offended because, like— the things that he would say and do had zero integrity. And so sure. for someone to tell sure. me that I didn't yeah. have integrity, yeah. so it, it was this really weird tension with that. But um, ultimately, I ended up not staying for the, the month they asked me to. And, and con contractually, I wasn't required to. Um, I called Shelby, and we were both very upset. We packed up our things, and we were gone that night. Wow. And we didn't tell anyone. And eventually, people found out. Sure. And we had hard conversations. I went back and talked to the senior pastor and one of the administrative pastors as well. 
a lot of it was just skewed in a weird way to make me look like I did something wrong. And in the end, we just couldn't find the common ground to see why this was harmful and hurtful and, and not handled in the right way. Um, but that really, uh, was very damaging for, for Shelby and I, and we didn't go to church for a while after that. Uh, we still had our faith, but our faith in church as an institution was really shaken because we, and especially I I wrestled with this with God too, because I really felt like he was calling me into ministry, but I, I kept looking back and thinking it's kind of all ended in not a great way. And like, is that me or like, am I wrong? Am I not supposed to be in ministry? Or is it just, this is how the church can be? Because what I've learned over the years, and I'm sure you know this too, is that in a church, you are at your most vulnerable. And because of that, the capacity and the the chance of you getting hurt is, is heightened to a whole new level. And so it happens often. Uh, especially if you've been in the church long enough, you've been hurt. And you pour so much into it. What people don't see is the time that it consumes your thoughts and the time that it consumes your prayers and the times that you and Shelby are sitting down having hard but good conversations about the things that you have to work on, the things that you're struggling with or the things that are impacting you while you're in ministry. You know, it's really funny that they're talking about your hours and how much you're working there because ministry is one of those things where it just doesn't stop because there's always stuff to be done, but more importantly, it's because you just care. It's because you want to dream about what God can do and you want to pray about the good things or you long for faith to grow in people that you're leading, but also because you feel this burden, right? You feel burden for people who aren't there. And having friends who have left church in a similar way, you understand the congregation doesn't fully grasp what you do as a staff member at a church. And so because of that, you have to be close to other staff members because uniquely you guys understand how hard it is. And for them not to see that, for them not to understand that, uh, that's tough, right? You feel like your guts get ripped out because they understand the hours. They understand the time. They understand the blood, sweat, and tears metaphorically, um, but also physically. And so it can be so discouraging when you work with people who don't grasp that. I know for me, one of the first ministries I was in, about six months in, I got fired from it because of my attitude even though I felt like God called me to this, I was like, I don't know if I want to ever do this again. And I don't know if I want to work in ministry again, even though it felt like a calling. And so the way that you and Shelby felt was real. And it's very understandable. You've kind of had to work through those bad experiences. And you kind of had to know God called you away from that one place and clearly into the next place. But the next one ends in pain. And so there's a lot where you have to step back and think, what the heck is going on? It was shocking because that's 100% how we felt. We felt like we were meant to be at this church. There was a ministry at the church because it was so large that they had a deaf ministry at the church. And so Shelby, being an American Sign Language interpreter, could step into that. And she enjoyed that. And she enjoyed the community of that. Um, so for her, there was a there was a whole grieving process of feeling like, because we felt like we couldn't be there. And even though it had nothing to do with the people we were known, you know, uh, I was known as being a staff member. And for that to just be gone, we didn't want to deal with the questions. I didn't want to deal with trying to explain to people uh, that there's a bad culture. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make people feel like they couldn't be at that church anymore. So it it felt like it had to be a clean break, but it was hard because we were leaving friends behind. We were leaving relationships behind and we didn't kind of know where to go. 
And I, I think I look back at it now and, and realize that that church, because it was so large, was really run like a business more yeah. than like a church, more yeah. than yeah. shepherding. It was, it was well, this, this person's not the right fit. Cut them off. There's, we have a stack of applications, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and yeah. move on. And that was very much how it was run. And what year was all of this? In 2017, uh, almost into 2018. Okay. Yeah. At that time, we uh, moved to Sykesville because it was closer to that church. That's, that's the other thing. I was driving uh, almost an hour. Sure. Um, I, I drive about like 40 minutes here, that's so it's not that much more. Dan does a lot of driving <laughs> for Jesus. Driving is just fun. Um, no, but we were driving like an hour, yeah. and there was uh, a service on Saturday night, and there was three services on wow. Sunday. and. Every once in a while, I was able to get away and be in the worship team, but it was hard because I was running a ministry. So that was, you know, uh, a practice and then getting there early, leaving late, things like that. So it was a lot. And so we moved to be kind of closer to that. And then that all kind of crumbled. So for a while, we didn't go anywhere. Um, And then we found a church that was local that, that we kind of started going to, but didn't really want to get involved much. I did eventually join the worship team just because I've... I just love music. And that church ended up uh, moving to, uh, they were in Sykesville and they moved to Hanover, Maryland, which would have been like a 45 minute drive for us. And we kind of just felt like, I don't know. So again, we had this season where we weren't going to church and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, so COVID hits, uh, at the same time we're pregnant with Declan. Um, and he was born in April of 2020. So yeah. I already had these very real fears and anxiety of being a father, but I don't really have grace with myself. It goes back to being seven years old and and wanting to follow Jesus out of fear and then praying every night just in case I messed up. It became a habit in my mind to constantly check myself. Uh, what would I say? What I think? What I do? Is it good? Is it bad? Um, and even now, you know, as a 33-year-old man, I still do that. Like I, I, everything I say and do, I second guess. Um, and so getting ready to become a father, I was really excited. Always wanted to be a father always. So I was really excited. Um, found out we were having a boy. I was like, yes, I get to have my son. Like I'm so excited. But a couple months, you know, a few months before he was born, I started to really feel this deep fear and anxiety, um, of, of inadequacy for one, which I think probably all parents go through. But a big part of what I felt was I had a, I had a very um, difficult relationship with father, my father and father figures in my life. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I kind of worried about what I bring that into yeah. Declan's life. Yeah. Would my trauma kind of latch on to him? Yeah. But I pass things on that I don't want to pass on. And so I just had all these fears and yeah. fears. And then a pandemic. <laughs> so like you already have the fears. Yeah. And then the universe is like, hey, check this out. Yeah. So then we're like, yes. you know, I still remember it in March. Uh, I remember going to uh, BJ's and just getting all kinds of canned food and water and toilet paper and paper towel until there was none left. Um, and just this fear of like, what is going to happen with our world? But also it was really difficult because uh, we knew we had a baby coming, our first baby, and we were in lockdown and we weren't supposed to be seeing people and our parents weren't supposed to be around. And leading up to going to the hospital, the the rules were changing constantly. Yeah, yeah. 
but about a week before Declan was born, um, Shelby would have had to go by herself and I wouldn't be able to be there for your, the birth of your for first the birth child. of our first child. Yeah. So they changed that rule, um, like about a week, maybe even less than a week before he was born. So thankfully I was able to be there, but it was weird because it was just us. Even the nurses didn't come in as often because they were trying to limit contact every day. They were putting on more PPE. Yeah, it was, it was really, the numbers were spiking like crazy, especially in Carroll County. And so we were in the hospital for five days and it got really hard being a new parent, not really sleeping. You know, Shelby's mom stayed uh, for, I think she stayed for almost two weeks. And my mom was there for um, about a week. Uh, and it was a huge help. I mean, ultimately the first time we got to just like go to sleep in our bed and hand off the baby and just rest that, that was everything. (laughs) But it was, it was definitely really scary to be like, okay, we're doing this new thing, this really big and important thing in our life, um, of raising a child during such an uncertain time and a crazy time, uh, not even knowing what's going to happen with the world, you know, from here. Yeah. On top of the fact where I I think this might've been one of the pain points for you guys, because you weren't involved in a church. You, You didn't even have a community that you were fully a part of, right? You don't have that width of community where again, no one had answers. But it was a bunch of people saying, hey, this sucks for us too. And you knew that you had good people in your life, but there's still that piece missing from other people that aren't family saying, hey, this also sucks for us. We absolutely miss the community. And you kind of dream about like having a baby and your friends who are having babies and you can like talk to them if they've had kids before, like maybe the kids are a little older and you can kind of lean on them and um, you kind of dream about all these things and that put all of that on hold. And yeah. we lived, we lived our life through a, a computer screen on yeah. zoom with our family, with work. Uh, there were, there were certainly some, I would say bittersweet parts of it. We were fortunate enough to keep our jobs, fortunate enough to, uh, be happy and healthy and doing well. Kind of the good part was that we were always home every day with Declan. So yeah. we got to see every moment we got to be part of everything and so there was some good in that for sure but you know after a while and after being locked down uh, not in lockdown now you're in lockdown again all the different waves (laughs) that we went through yeah after a while we really started feeling like you know we need we want to get back into church we want to have uh that community and especially for our children we want to have that for them so um it was in 2021 that uh, all around the same time that we visited Collective, we had decided to sell our home and to get a new home that was being built. Um, and so we you know, put our house on the market. We lived with my parents. And Shelby, uh, her second job is in these business parks. I'm not really allowed to say where it is, but it's in these business parks. Um, and so she had seen the Collective signs. And she had told me about it. And we had a friend that was kind of going here slash going to Mosaic as well, who knew about it and said, yeah, it's a great church. You should check it out. So for a couple of weeks, we were kind of watching online and and getting a feel for like how the church was and like in a not so good way that a lot of people do if they've been Christians for a long time and they're kind of vetting churches is there's almost like this critique of like, 
okay, what songs are they singing? Or like, what, uh, what are some phrases they're saying? Like, what are they preaching? What do they believe? And stuff like that. But luckily for collective, it was all good things, all positive things. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Online isn't the worst. You can, you can, yeah. Have some relief there to know it wasn't uh, a bad thing, but (laughs) yeah, but we eventually came for the first time in May of 2021 and Declan was like just over a year old putting him into the childcare and him freaking out because it's just been us for a year, basically. Yeah. yeah we just, we started coming. It was great. Um, I think I auditioned sometime around like uh, September yeah. or October of 2021. Which I do want to say too, that when you did that, one thing I really appreciated is that you were just really honest about some of your past experiences. It wasn't like you were just putting it out there. It was like, you were saying, Hey, God gifted us with this. And I feel like God is asking us to use this gift, but I'm nervous, right? Right. I'm, I'm unsure. You didn't try out vocally in the beginning because of your past experiences, because you knew that as soon as we found out, you know, it's every single week, it's late night, Tuesdays, Thursdays, you know, all this stuff. And we just really appreciated that you were honest, not only that, but in a tough season that we were in, it wasn't that you knew your faith was disappearing. It was your trust in the church, which is a really big deal. But even in that phase of we want to trust this for you and Shelby, you know, we don't know if we do trust this, but we're at least going to lean in a little bit and see. And that's a huge deal because a lot of people never get back to a place where they say, hey, I'm going to give this another shot. Right. And after giving it another shot and another shot, like your guys' story, you guys had a string of bad luck when it comes to churches. And it's so healthy to say, hey, we know that what God asks us to do, we're just nervous. But you did. You tried out. You started playing in the band, but with boundaries, you know, and it was a good thing. And you leaned in a little bit more and you leaned in a little bit more, Um, you know, and everybody who knows you, Dan, knows that when you're around, you bring the energy up, you bring the joy up, you bring the care up. It's always there. And so not only that, it wasn't like you were walled, right? You weren't uh, a walled up version of yourself. It was just you saying, hey, we've had some bad past experiences and we don't think that this is true for every church that we're going to be in. Um, but man, we want to give this another shot and, and collective, you know, we hope you don't screw this up. Yeah. It was a lot of, uh, kind of slowly dipping our toes into the ocean, uh, because, you know, you could look back at our life and when we attended the big church, it wasn't long before I was on staff. It was actually really quick. And I kind of, part of me feels like maybe if I would have not been so eager, um, to do that that maybe I could have seen some things that that would have told me, yeah, this might not be where you should be on staff. Like it's okay to go here, but maybe you don't want to be part of that culture. Um, So we definitely took our time and we, Shelby and I talked about it a lot um, because I was very eager being someone who loves music to play music. I just wanted to, I just always want to be playing music. I always want to be listening to music, singing. That's just, it's just part of my life. So I was like, I had this like, pull. And I know that a big part of that was God, you know, pulling me into that. But, you know, she would kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's think about this because we've done this. We've kind of jumped in. Do we want to do this again? And so I was definitely very hesitant. We had conversations. Uh, We were very upfront about our, our experience and how we were learning to trust church again. But at the same time, we had enough time in between to grow and to process and to heal. Um, and obviously to realize it's not because of God that these things happen, you know? Um, and 
you know, we're not mad at God. We're not angry with God. Our faith hasn't, um, you know, been hindered by this. If anything, we've grown, grown stronger. Um, and we are going to have healthy boundaries, not, you know, giant walls around us, but healthy boundaries of how to move forward. Um, and so that's kind of how we approached all of that. And yeah, you're right. I definitely didn't talk about singing at first. I wanted to take a step back, but then eventually John and I had a conversation about uh, me being a vocalist. I think we were talking about my band at the time. And he's like, wait, you sing? And I'm like, yeah, I sing. <laughs> like a crap. He's like, well, do you want to audition? I was like, yeah. At that point I was kind of, I was kind of in it. And I will yeah. say this, I know that this isn't the purpose of this podcast, but part of us coming here, dipping our toes and vetting was because we came from ministry in a lot of other churches, we kind of have an eye for like recognizing the culture and we loved and still love what we see about the culture of collective. Like there, there's not, I can't think of anything that was a, yeah, this thing's a little iffy, you know what I mean? So, and when you've had the experiences you've had, it's wisdom, right? You can be hypercritical because you guys knew, Hey, there's some red flags and you'd seen behind the scenes at churches before. At, at that point, you know, from coming here for five months, we felt like we have a good understanding of the culture, the people, um, and we felt safe. Okay. It was never pressured to be part of a team. It was encouraged, but it was never pressured. There was there was already a large team. And so it just felt like we're in the right place. We've gone through all these things. It's, it's made us who we are. Yeah. Um, it's all part of our journey. It's all part of our story. And now we're in a place where we can feel, we can breathe and it's, it's great. Now you're not in vocational ministry right now, um, but you start playing in the band and within like three or four months, our worship leader felt like God was saying, Hey man, your time at collective is up and it's time to move back home to Tennessee. And so we asked you, would you be willing to lean in a little bit more? And what's crazy is that you could have freaked out because it, it would have been really easy for say, hey, Dan, um, we need you to take on more. But because you were honest up front and because we really recognized that um, God gave us everybody we needed um, and, and the giftedness of everybody that we needed, you using your experience along with a few other people who have the same giftedness and the same experience and our worship, worship culture has grown. And it's crazy because you're still using the gifting that God has given you. It's just very different than what you thought a few years ago and what we thought when we first met you over a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would ever leave my job, my, my full-time job, but I feel like I don't have to anymore. Because I used to think, okay, if you're called to ministry, that's all you do. Sure. Like it's all, you, it's all you're required to do. For some people, that'll be your life and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, but for some people, and I feel like for me, I feel like I can still be part of ministry, be part of a church, be part of the community without having to have my entire income ride on this, without having certain expectations, and without uh, leaving myself vulnerable enough to that. If there is a major hurt, now that's all shattered, and now I'm searching for a job again. So there's something very freeing in that. But there's been a lot of growth and a lot of change in the past few years. So what has that been like? We've been able to focus very much on uh, our own spiritual growth. Me being in ministry for so long, I neglected my growth in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways felt like, oh, I I already know all this stuff. I went to Christian (laughs) school all my life. I went to a Christian college. Like I have all the knowledge in the world. No, I don't. Um, Definitely needed to spend time 
in growth. And uh, for me personally, part of that uh, major growth in my life came when I started having children. Growing up, grace was a bad word. Like grace was you saying that you have a license to sin, you know? So most of my life, uh, I had a very poor understanding of grace and through many years of education, through reconstruction, through being on staff and off staff and hurt and dealing with things, dealing with pains and, and working that out with God. Someone would say, hey, I really, you know, you did a great job today, you know, singing, or you did a great job, you know, on bass. Um, my first instinct isn't to say thank you. My first instinct is to say, well, I messed up on that one part, or I could have done this better. It is an internal struggle that I deal with constantly. And so I'm working on that. Yeah. Um, but also I'm working on some of the deep-rooted things from my childhood, from trauma, that has made that fact and that inner critic even more dangerous. So uh, I started going to therapy, and it's been amazing. I will say to, to anybody who might be considering therapy, you, you might not get a great person the first time. Not everyone's a good fit, so don't let that... Um, you know, keep you from doing it. Cause it kept me. And there was definitely some times where I really could have, uh, used, um, therapy, but I kind of was closing that door because of a bad experience I had. Perseverance has certainly been something that, uh, has been a big part of my life in, in a lot of different ways. It's made all the difference for me. I, I have a long way to go. I do. I have a lot of work to do. I definitely have to put in the work and I am. Um, but I'm so glad that I made that decision and started moving forward with that. And I'm hopeful that one day, ultimately, I can have grace with myself and stop living with so much pressure. I appreciate you so much sharing. You know, you signed up right away when we put the list out in the fall of 2022. And to put yourself in a place um, that's very vulnerable, where you could sit back and say, did I say that right? Did I think about that the right way? But to be willing to lean in, you know, and I, I just hope that this helps somebody. And so it just means a lot that you're willing to work through those things. You're willing to um, take risks, to be bold, uh, to step into the opportunities uh, that God has given you. And I do want to say this. For those of you who are struggling right now and need help with mental health and counseling, DM us, email us um, at info at mycollective.church because we have resources for that. And we really want to help you um, we don't want to just talk about it. We want to walk alongside you because sometimes that's what you need is for someone to say, okay, let's do this. You know, one of the best parts about this podcast is not that things are perfect, but even though that there's more work and there's more growth and more life ahead of us, we have a unique opportunity to share some wisdom and advice to people listening. And so Dan, what advice do you have, you know, for people who are listening, who have struggled with similar things as you or going through similar things as you um, what would you share with them? It's okay to not be okay. Uh, it's okay to not be perfect because you can't be. And especially for men, men have a hard time with being vulnerable and even being open to therapy or taking a, a hard look at their mental health or taking a hard look at some things that might need to improve. Uh, men are always guarded. I, I, I know I grew up being told like not to show emotion, you know, like you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to, you know, even tell people how you're feeling. You're, you're not allowed to feel you have to be strong and move on. Right. A time will come in your life where you realize that that's not enough. 
and and you've neglected something in your inside of you that needs to be worked on and so don't be afraid to take that step it is vulnerable it is scary it is hard but it's so worth it to to realize that hey i have some things i need to work on and i can be honest and vulnerable about that and now i can go and work on those things like don't be afraid to look into therapy Anyone who wants to talk to me about it, you're free to come talk to me about it. Um, I might not have a lot of stuff to say yet, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. you know, can certainly encourage you in that uh, direction. So, and and ultimately, as far as faith goes, uh, understand that hurts will come. Like none of us are exempt from getting hurt. It doesn't mean that God's not good, and it doesn't mean that God his that his will is not perfect. Um, it's hard to keep your faith through all of the struggles of life and all the pains that you'll go through, um, especially for people who've been through way harder things than I have. But what I can say is if you if you hold on to that, if you hold on to your faith, if you, you maybe look at some things that need to uh, you know be reconstructed and, and um, improved, yeah. um, but stick with it, stick with God, um, and, and things will be okay. You're not going to have a perfect life, but things will be okay. Yeah, man. And, and that's just so good. So my last question, my favorite question on the podcast, Dan, tell me what your favorite verses are, um, and explain why those things kind of ring true in your heart. Sure. So I, um, kind of growing up in church, I feel like I've had different seasons of like favorite verses. It's hard to like pinpoint certain ones, but the, there's two that I've really, clung to in the last several years that have really been speaking to what I'm going through and the things that I'm dealing with. One, you just talked about yeah, on Sunday, yeah. which is Psalms 23, 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And that that is something that's really helped me to understand that no matter what I go through in life, and I will go through things, God is always right there. He's, he's never abandoned me. He's not going to leave me alone to handle it. Um, I can always rest in him. I can always find my hope in him. I can always trust in him no matter what that valley looks like. And so that's always been a constant reminder. Okay. And the second one is 2 Corinthians twelve nine. It's a pretty popular verse. It's, this is when Paul is talking about having a thorn in his flesh. And God's response to, to Paul asking him to take away that thorn is what this verse is. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so it, it really means a lot to me because as I as I deal with feeling inadequate, I if I'm if I can get to that right headspace and say it's not about that, it's about God's grace and his power is going to work through this, even though I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not adequate enough to handle this, even though I'm weak, I can be strong because of what he is doing. And so it's very encouraging for me. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your heart, for people, for men, for young parents. Thank you for giving your talents and your gifts to Collective. And really just for being a, a good example of what it looks like to hold on to faith through really, really tough seasons. Um, whether that's seasons of church or ministry or life and COVID, you know, mental health, whatever it may be, we're just so thankful that you continue to, to work and continue to fight for those things. And it's really cool to see that a few years removed of, of some of the hard things, God's just doing some incredible stuff in your life. It's wonderful. So Dan, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for being vulnerable. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.